How did you battle that addiction? Overcome that eating disorder. That childhood pain. That relationship shattered into pieces. By the power of Christ in me. How did you overcome depression? Anxiety. Disappointment. Conflict. By not fighting flesh and blood, but the real enemy. How did you move in joy? Walk in humility. Speak kindly. Forgive those who hurt you. Believe the best. Because Jesus has set me free. Really, totally, and truly free. Jesus came so that we might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to set the captives free. He came for my freedom. Not just mine, but yours too. Your freedom. Your freedom. Your freedom. Hey, Revelation Wellness. As you just heard, our brand new platoon of Revelation Wellness instructors is forming now, including our new program, Live Well. The link is in the show notes, so download a packet and learn how you can get started with us. On today's podcast, Elise is sitting down with author and CEO Jordan Rayner for a conversation that's going to stoke the fire in your heart for your work. Jordan is such a force of joy and delight, and you can't help but come away with a fresh vision, especially if what you feel like you do doesn't count for the kingdom of God. So listen up, friends. This is an episode just for you. You can also pre-order Jordan's new book, The Sacredness of Secular Work, and be sure to listen to the end of the podcast because he's going to share with you about a pre-order bonus that's only available until February 3rd, and it is one of a kind, so don't miss it. As always, thanks for being here, and donors, thanks for making episodes like this possible. Peace. Revelation Wellness Community, today we have Jordan Rayner on the podcast. He has written, what book is this? What number book? Oh, I don't, uh, six? I should know that. You should, but you're so prolific, you've lost count. (laughs) He has written a book called The Sacredness of Secular Work. Jordan, why this book? Why this book? I'll tell you why this book, Elisa, Uh, because we throw around these terms a lot, sacred and secular, and we don't really define what they mean. That that word secular literally means without God. And I know a lot of Christians who work as uh, in a workout gym, as entrepreneurs, as baristas, as chefs, and all their life they've been told implicitly or explicitly that their work is quote unquote secular. But that word secular means literally without God. And we Christians believe mm. that God is literally with us. In these bodies, wherever we go through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the only thing you need to do to instantly make your quote-unquote secular workplace sacred is walk through the front door or log on to Zoom. That's it. Right? But believers don't see that. They don't see that, as Charles Spurgeon once said, that for the believer, nothing is secular and everything is sacred. And so my goal with this book 
is to help readers see the sacredness of their secular work and how that sacred work matters for eternity beyond the present, even when they're not leveraging it to, quote unquote, save souls. Because a lot of believers think that's the only way their work becomes sacred is when they are sharing the gospel with others. But if we believe that these bodies that we inhabit right now are eternal and this earth is eternal, then our work with this entire world is also eternal. And that's what, by God's grace, I'm trying to open readers' eyes to in the sacredness of secular work. Okay, so we're going to need some background. How does Jordan Rayner get to this point of writing this book? What's your life experience, worldview that gets you to this moment that this is a book that's needed for this time? Yeah, so I'm not a pastor or religious professional. I'm a mere Christian like most of our listeners. Mm. I spent most of my career uh, as a tech entrepreneur. And I'll never forget, I was in the process of exiting my second company. Uh, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next professionally. And, um, you know, when you sell two companies, the natural thing is you go start a third, right? So that was the plan. But one Sunday, uh, I remember sitting and hearing a sermon I think a lot of our listeners are very familiar with. This sermon that made me feel so guilty for wanting to start another business. This sermon that made me feel like my work only mattered uh, if I was leveraging it to the instrumental end of saving souls. And I looked around at my work. I'm like, I haven't shared the Romans road with many people this year in my business. So I should go plant a church. That's what I should do next. So my wife and I are considering these two paths, start another business, start a church. Mm -hmm. And by God's grace, a couple of weeks later, I had a mentor pull me aside. Godly mentor led Bible studies at our church. He said, Hey, I think you're, I I heard you're thinking about planting a church. And I'm thinking this guy's going to pat me on the back, maybe write me a check right? To get this church started. And he just looks me dead in the eyes. He's like, yeah, I got to be honest. That sounds really dumb for you. He's like, Jordan, you're a talented entrepreneur. I've seen you are fully alive as you're doing that work. Why do you think you have to go start a church to do ministry? Don't you get that your work as an entrepreneur is ministry? And I looked at this guy like he had three heads. I was like, Rick, I literally have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, here's what I want you to do. With this conversation in the background of your mind, go read Genesis 1 and 2. Like, read Genesis 1 and 2. I read Genesis 1 and 2 500 times. Mm. But when I read it through the lens of that conversation, it changed everything. I saw for the first time that before God tells us that he is holy or loving or omnipotent, he tells us that he is a God who creates, Mm. a God who rolls up his sleeves and works, right? Yeah. And long yeah. before the Great Commission comes onto the scene for Jesus telling us to go and make disciples, God hands humankind the first commission in Genesis 1 to fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, simply to make this material world more useful for other human beings' benefit and enjoyment, right? Yeah. And once I saw that, I was like, whoa, time out. Now I can start to understand the intrinsic value of my work as an entrepreneur. I already understood that my work as an entrepreneur had instrumental value in that I could use my ventures to make money and write a check to my church, or I could use my ventures to share the gospel with my team. But if God works for the pure joy of creating and called us to do the same in Genesis 1, then clearly my work has intrinsic value in the 99% of the time in which I'm not walking a customer through the Romans road. And so when I saw that, Elisa, that was the moment where I was like, this changes everything. And by God's grace, that message has changed the lives of a lot of other believers around the world. 
Okay, let me let me have some specifics. You yeah. go same you goes to the same job the next day. Yeah. How does it change? What did was it a an inherent value inside of you? Did you show up differently to the meeting? Yeah. Did you be intentional about being kind? Like what yeah. what? What does that look but, like cuz you're not walking through the Romans question. road? Uh, yeah, it's a really really great question, Elisa. I think a few things changed over time. I think right off the bat, I was more alive, more fully alive than I had ever been before in the work. Because once you understand that, I, I think a lot of Christians are walking around today thinking that 1% of their time at work matters for eternity. That 1% when they're walking somebody through the Romans road. But once you understand that God cares about 100% mm. of your time, no. that Psalm, Psalm 37, 23 says that the Lord directs the steps of the godly and delights in every detail of their lives, meaning he mm -hmm. delights in every spreadsheet I build and every Zoom meeting I lead and every workout I run with excellence mm -hmm. and love in accordance with his commands. When you understand that all of that contributes to his eternal pleasure, you can't help but be a fully alive, joyful human being. So that was the first thing that changed. Yeah. But secondly, over time, here's what was ironic. The more I understood how my work mattered beyond sharing the gospel, the more I actually shared the gospel, ironically, because you know who the lost are attracted to? People who are fully alive, who understand mm -hmm. that God doesn't just care about my workout or my venture because it's an opportunity for ministry. He cares about the work itself, right? Mm -hmm. That makes you come fully alive and fully alive people attract the lost like craft coffee attracts hipsters, right? I just, so, the quote, I pulled that quote from your book. I was going to read it. that, but it's there you it. go. Like, that that's what changed. I started sharing the gospel way more. And then third, I would say this over and again, over time, this is not overnight. As I started to understand Jesus's constant um, command to chase after eternal rewards, that changed the way I led my venture. So obviously I didn't go plant church. I stayed in the tech startup that I was running at the time. And then another one but it changed the way I did it. I was approaching the work, not looking for worldly rewards of the next exit or the next tranche of the business. I was showing up and asking myself questions of, where can I die to myself today? Wow. Where can I sacrifice today? Where can I obey 1 Corinthians 13, 4 hmm. to not be self-seeking like most other entrepreneurs on the planet? So that, number one, just as an act of obedience, but number two, to accumulate as many eternal rewards as possible. So I would say a high level, those are three things that radically changed as I started to understand the intrinsic value of this sacred work that the world for so long has told believers is secular. I have to ask this question because yeah. honestly, as I'm interviewing you right now, you're clearly fully alive. You're clearly doing the thing that gives you the most Mm, gas in your gas tank. Have you always been a person that is like lit, just gets going high level extroversion to and to a sense? Like, I just want to know that because I know there's people listening question. that are like, man, he's amazing. I don't have that in me. How do I show up as a person who who likes to just keep books and be quiet? You know, like, I just yeah. want to go after your personality because it's, oh, it's so good. It's, it's amazing. So um, I'm actually fairly introverted. Mm. I actually stress, like if I was to, if I was to take a Myers-Briggs test right now, I would fall somewhere in the middle 
on that introvert extrovert line. But the question you asked first, I think it's the right one is, have you always been this animated and alive and energetic? And to a certain sense, yes. Um, but not always Monday through Friday. Uh, be- because mm-hmm. again, for so long, I, f- I would go to church every Sunday and couldn't shake this feeling that I was a second class Christian that was playing on Team JV instead of the varsity Varsity. team that my pastor and full-time missionaries on our station were because I was going back to a quote-unquote secular job on Monday. And nobody had ever told me otherwise. Nobody had ever pointed me to the biblical evidence otherwise. We're recording this in early January. We just celebrated Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody Mm -hmm. ever like really sat with and preached on the truth that for 80% of the incarnate Christ's life, he spent 80% of his adult life not saving souls, not preaching from a pulpit, but swinging a hammer. And nobody mm-hmm. told me what that meant for me mm-hmm. as somebody who is proverbially doing the same thing. And so as I got that, yeah. I became more of the animated, genuinely animated. Yeah. Uh, joyful. Joyful. Joy. Joy. That's it. It's yeah. joy. It's a freedom to love the thing I think God made me to do. It is okay. purpose in 100% of the time I spend doing the thing God made me to do. And that leads to an otherworldly joy that can't help but burst out, I think, of anyone who starts to internalize these truths. And that might look differently if you're super introverted versus extroverted, but joy is joy, right? Amen, right. I want to know what can wipe you out. What can distract you and steal your joy and maybe get you thinking, oh, I I should have more input in the Christian world or I should be somewhere else. You know what I mean? Because we can know what we're called to do fully live and we have an enemy that wants to wipe that out as fast as possible. I just want to know in real real talk, what can what can sidetrack you? What can blindside you and get you to lose focus or Oh, this is this is easy. Um the enemy's lie that excellence means being the best oh, rather than doing my best with whatever God has entrusted me with. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I Listen, we, we are called, there is, there are tons of passages of scripture we could point to that show that all Christians are called to the pursuit of excellence in all things, mm-hmm. but never the attainment of them. Right. I, I talk a little bit about this actually in the sacredness of secular work about the five talent and the two talent servant, right? The end of the day, the five talent servant by the world standards was the best. He won. He turned five into 10 talents. The two talent servant conversely wound up with four talents, but both of them received an identical blessing from the master. Why? Because God defines excellence, I think, as godly stewardship rather than quote unquote winning our space. And I can get sidetracked and my joy can be sapped when I forget that and I fall for the world's lie that victory as a, an author means hitting number one on the bestseller list. Yes. Or victory as an entrepreneur means hitting that next exit. Or victory as a runner, I love to run, means beating all of my friends at our, you know, my, per mile time. No, 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 no. Victory, winning, excellence is stewardship. By Jesus' standards, and that keeps me on the right side of that joy equation. 
That is a good word. That's good for someone listening. You know who our audience is. Our audience yeah. are people who are uh, love God and struggle with their body health and trying to walk that out in this world. And they will hear that as it's it's the process of what I do in the moment is what matters most. How I do it, what I do with right now, what I've been given versus what I'm going to gain. What am yes. I going to get for this whatever exchange of not having sugar or whatever today like that when we live for the reward we miss the joy of the process yeah yeah i think it's the process that he's concerned about because what he's concerned about is our sanctification and that happens at the process amen say that again yeah i i I think what god's what god clearly cares about in scriptures are sanctification are becoming more like him and that happens in the process towards results not in the achievement of the results Gosh, and yet we live in a world that measures things according to results. How many followers do you have? Do you the blue check mark next to my name? Like, man, don't you think we're going to get, what do you think is going to happen when we get to heaven? I just want to ask you that. And the Lord holds us, you know, accountable to the things he gave us. Like, what do you think is going to surprise us? Well, I I think sadly for a lot of believers today, they're going to be surprised to find out that there is judgment coming for believers, right? Uh We don't talk about this nearly enough in the church. Now, not talking about judgment of our souls. If you, Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, period, full stop. Your soul has been judged past tense, right? But 2 Corinthians makes clear that there's also this judgment coming for every single believer. It's called the Bema Seat Judgment, if you want to get super technical. What's it called? Bema Seat? Bema Seat, B-E-M-A. And we are coming before that throne to be judged for how we stewarded this life. Not to determine where we will spend eternity but to determine what eternal rewards we will enjoy for all eternity on the new earth. And the rewards that scripture holds out are incredible. People are familiar with treasures and crowns, but Jesus also talked about increased job responsibilities on the new earth for eternity as a reward. Mm. Contrary to popular belief, eternity is not heaven in the clouds. Eternity is here on earth, where Isaiah 65 says we will not strum harps for eternity, but long enjoy the work of our hands without the curse for eternity. Yeah. And some of us are leading, some some of us will lead and some of us will follow based on how we work and live this life. Scripture talks about the eternal rewards of um, some of the literal works of our hands lasting onto the new earth. Right? These rewards are everywhere if you know where to look for them. And again, while every Christian's entrance into the eternal kingdom of God is equal, our rewards that we experience there are not, right? And so I think that's what's going to surprise a lot of people when we sit in front of that judgment seat. Wait, 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 hold on a second. I know I was saved by grace through faith, period, full stop. But all those works actually mattered and contributing yeah. to my eternal rewards. Yeah. And I'm spending a lot of time, I've spent a whole chapter in the sacredness of secular work breaking down this etern- this idea of eternal rewards and then giving us practices to live our lives today in a way that maximizes those eternal rewards on the new earth. That's your other book that you just no, mentioned, right? The sacred net. Oh, it's this book. Why it's am I doing book, the oh, then what was the other there was the other book? You've done up oh the word before the work is your devotional yeah. that you do. It's okay. a devotional, yeah. This is yeah. all you clearly bleed this out your eyeballs. Everywhere. Love it. I do. Everywhere you go. 
so good. As you're talking, I think to myself how we tend to think the job we've been given or even the gifting that we have is some type of trinket or toy to keep us busy while we're down here so we don't get into trouble. So we don't have idle hands. It's the devil's playground. As if it's busy work until we get to that place where what I hear you saying is it actually is work that will move into eternity, that it'll go with us into that new heaven, new earth reality. That changes things. Oh, yeah. This is, I think, one of the most, if, if you make anything with your hands, go read Isaiah 60. Uh, as soon as this podcast episode is done, there's this beautiful prophetic vision of the new earth. And Isaiah is watching the kings of the nations come into the new Jerusalem and they're not coming empty handed. The people of the nations are bringing with them what Isaiah calls the wealth of the nations. If you turn to Revelation 21, John says the same thing. He sees the glory of the nations coming into the new Jerusalem. What are the glory of the nations? Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 60, he says, They include the ships built by the nation of Tarshish and incense from the nation of Sheba and refined silver and gold from some unnamed nation. Make no mistake about it. Ships and incense and silver and gold, these are works of human hands. And Isaiah and John are watching Jesus not burn these things up in the end, but welcoming these cultural goods into the new Jerusalem as an act of worship. And the implication is startling. It suggests that that truck you're repairing right now, that book that you're writing, that workout plan that you're writing, whatever uh-huh. it is, has the chance of literally and physically lasting into the new earth. I don't know about uh, you, but that like boggles my mind. Jordan, boggles my I'm mind. crying. You're bringing tears to my eyes. I'm not kidding. Like this is, it's, it's, not, been, it's not said enough. I don't think it's, it's said not enough. said enough. It's not said enough. And it's because we have, for the first time in church history, ask any theologian who's smarter than me. This is the very first time in church history in the last 200 years where we have talked way more about the present heaven, quote unquote, in the clouds than what scripture talks the most about, which is the eternal heaven on earth, right? Not one person will spend eternity in heaven, according to what scripture says. We will all spend eternity on this earth that is renewed, purified, and perfect after Jesus permanently rips the thin veil, currently separating God's dimension of heaven and our dimension of earth. And if that's true, and we believe in the resurrection of this earth and the resurrection of these physical bodies that are eternal, see the risen Christ as case in point, then it follows that the resurrection is powerful, certainly enough to resurrect some of the literal work of our hands that we are working on right now that we are doing for God's glory and the good of others. You know why I think it brings tears to my eyes, Jordan, is because um, I think I it's even bringing up stuff in my own heart of like, oh, I think I'm prone to do that sometimes of the really holy or high called Christians are the ones at the pulpit. They're the ones that are leading a discipleship, like they're doing the obvious gospel thing, which is beautiful. We're so grateful for it. But it's the thing that we magnify so much in the church that what about these little hidden things? You actually are giving me great love and joy for, we have a community of instructors that are out there, over 2,000 in the world right now, meeting with Jane in the gym, helping her to see herself as God's workmanship created for good works that she should walk in. Let's get some leg strength going. And it seems mundane. It seems like 
you know, we, I mean, we know, I know that that is a call that we have, but it always often feels it's the lesser than. It's just the stepping stone to get to the high place to where the incense and the bell ringing is. It's like, gosh, maybe we need to, I just need the renewal of our mind too for even our instructors that this matters. What would you say to them? I would say this, um, you and I and a few generations of Christians have been um, victims of not heresy, but theological malpractice. The, the, the version of the gospel that we preach in the last couple hundred years goes something like this. The gospel is the good news that Jesus came to save people from their sins, save their souls, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Every word of that statement is gloriously true, but it is tragically incomplete. It is an abridged version of the gospel. You know how we know? Because in Genesis 1, God called souls and these physical bodies and the material world to be very good. In Genesis 3, Satan broke all those things, ushering in death and decay of these physical bodies. And so, because God promised that a Redeemer would come and crush Satan's head, not just strike it, but mm -hmm. crush it in total indisputable victory— if Christ's redemption on the cross does not go as far as the as far as the curse of sin, then God has failed. But he hasn't. Yeah. Jesus is not just king over the spiritual realm of souls. He is king over every square inch of this creation that God has called very good from the beginning of this story and promises to redeem rather than destroy. And here's why that matters for you today. If these physical bodies are eternal. And it's not just the soul that lasts for eternity, this body, then my work with this body, making it stronger, making it healthier matters for eternity. And furthermore, if this physical creation is eternal, right? If this new earth is really a renewed earth, as scripture teaches, then my work with this material world, typing on this MacBook made out of aluminum, Right. <laughs> and planting a garden and working out with workout materials made from the earth is eternal because Christ's blood paid to redeem all of it, all of it. And so there's no spiritual material divide. There's no sacred mm. secular divide because Jesus is king over all. All of it is his all of it is redeemed. And so my engagement with all of it has eternal value. What would be your encouragement to them? Like a simple, like if you're going to coach them right now, like get them to remember this matters. What do you say? If I, I cite so, I've, just in this podcast conversation, we've cited so much scripture. If you could just memorize one verse, remember this as you're doing your workout today, as you're driving to work, wherever it is. Psalm 37, 23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly and delights every detail of their life. And so when you think, oh man, that, yeah, my, my pastor's doing the truly important job because he's doing the spiritual work of preaching the word and evangelism and prayer, or the only moments of my day that really count in the grand scheme of things are the ones spent on spiritual tasks. That's a lot. Psalm 37, 23 tells you so. The Lord directs the steps of the godly and delights not in just the spiritual details of your life, but every single detail of the lives of the godly. And so whatever your work is today, don't change it. Reorient your relationship to it. 
Now that you understand that God cares about every detail of it, do every detail, excellence and love and under the lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now, when someone listens to this podcast, and I love that you're out touring around talking about your book in all the places, so you're in lots of podcasts, as I imagine. People are hearing this as they're driving to work or at work on their lunch break, and I literally see in my 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 mind's eye them just they're brightening up, walking back into that space, and it makes complete transformational change. And everything's the same, but nothing's the same. Yes. Yes. Think about it. Let me leave you with this. When Moses encountered the burning bush, right, that fire was obviously the presence of God. And God says, hey, hey, take, take off those shoes. This is holy ground, right? Where else do we see this in scripture? We see it at Pentecost. When fire ignites over the head of believers to symbolize the Holy Spirit coming into the lives. That fire, that same fire, that was present at Pentecost, that was present with Moses in that holy ground, that was present when Jesus walked out of the tomb is alive and blazing inside of you, believer. And so everywhere you step is holy ground. Everywhere. All of it is holy because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. One great big adventure. Life is good. Jordan, I am jazzed like i feel like thank you you gave me a good coaching and a pep talk and a reminder literally i'll tell you this everyone uh never have i done this before but i have while you were talking i went and pre-ordered your book come on now <laughs> as we're talking so let's tell people where they can go pre-order the book and tell them what they can qualify to get it's <laughs> a pre-order bonus all right so um I am admittedly a little bit crazy about pre-order bonuses on my books. I don't know why. Love it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so if you if you pre-order The Sacredness of Secular Work right now on Amazon, Apple Books, wherever you buy your books, and you go to jordanrainer.com before February 3rd, you can enter to win this epic trip we're giving away to France for you and the guest of your choice to rehearse your eternal vocation. Again, we, we touched on this earlier. Scripture says... That eternity is not playing harps. It's not an eternal yeah. Hillsong service, right? Revelation 22, 5 says we will reign forever and ever with Christ. So I'm going to send you to the coolest castle I know of on earth to practice reigning, reigning. forever and ever with Christ. Right and now in France, uh, Isaiah 65 says God's chosen people will build houses and uh, build houses and live in them, plant vineyards and eat their fruit. I'm going to send you the Champagne wine region of France to practice that eternal vocation of planting vineyards and eating their fruit. And then I'm actually going to uh, come over and take the winner and their friend at dinner and just Golly. encourage you about yeah. the sacredness of your, of your seemingly secular work. So again, step one, go pre-order the sacredness of secular work wherever books are sold. Step two, head on over to Jordan I say. JordanRainer.com. I'm handed over so I can qual come on, like, come put on my now. entry in to go to France. Never what been. What if you brought a listener? How fun would that be? I would do it. Choose me. Come on. <laughs> All right, y'all. This is so good. So good. Uh, I, You know what? I had other questions for you, Jordan, but I'm going to bring you back at some point to keep talking about these Anytime. things because your voice is necessary in this amazing world. All right. Well, everyone, you've heard what we have to say today, and there's so much more. So head on over and get the book. Um, Jordan, we know you're a runner, right? Is that what you I said? I am. 
You run five days running. a week. All right. Uh, that's probably a lie. Did I write that? That's a lie. You wrote it. He runs five days I a week. Or maybe it was your assistant. Five days a week. That's the goal. <laughs> I probably do four. Well, we love our runners. We're actually doing something this year called the Love Paste Race, where we're inviting everyone, all our community, just get up off your feet, walk a three, a 5K, 10K, half, or I'm going to be walking a full marathon in Hawaii. Walk, run, whatever, jog, whatever. Yeah. Just move forward for 26.2 miles. So uh, awesome. send me all your running good vibes. Yes, and I prayers. love it. Send them. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Appreciate Lisa. you. Friends, we hope this episode blessed you. And if you love it as much as we did, would you share it with a friend? And be sure to swipe up on the show notes. You will find all the links mentioned in the episode. Let's keep the conversation going. You can leave us an audio message and tell us how this episode sparked something in your heart. We would love to hear from you and hear what you think. Thank you for being here and be sure to connect with us soon in all the places. Peace.